but I've got Florida State winning winning this one pretty handily. Let's say Keon Coleman, 150 yards Whoa. on on Saturday, and uh, Trey Benson has another 100 yard game. Jared Burris, give me 1.5. All right, now, now you're getting too cocky after you went over last week and got one thing right. This man's over here. He's too full. Putting a wish himself. list together. Jordan Travis, 700 yards, but. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live. Go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No Bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. The great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, Nose fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? And what's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Hear the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening, and Florida State is still undefeated. Now ranked number four in the country, getting a win at home against Virginia Tech. Kind of a little up and up and down game, but nonetheless, so Florida State took care of business and put the Hokies away. We're going to give our last thoughts on that win. We're going to talk Winston Wright. He's no longer with the football program. We're going to be discussing that and giving our thoughts. We're going to talk Johnny Wilson and an update that Mike Norvell gave us earlier this week. We're going to talk the latest AP poll rankings, a few moves in there across the board. we got a Florida State commitment of a 2020-26 uh, kid way, way down the line. But uh, we'll be discussing that just for a minute. And then we're going to talk practice observations. We've got Florida State versus Syracuse preview for you guys. And then at the very end, we're going to talk some score predictions. Uh, before we get started, as always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hit the like button. Make sure you're commenting. Give us some questions or topics you guys would like us to discuss, and we will most we will most likely try to. But with me this evening is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at NoGaming.com. And then up with me is Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer and game preview writer for the 2023 football season. Gentlemen, how are we doing? How are we feeling? It's great to be back, you know, especially after that show that you guys did without me on Saturday. So I'm glad to, glad to once again be a part of this awesome crew. Yeah, views are like four times what they usually were for an instant reaction. Without Dustin, mm-hmm. they just knew. Uh, it was a good time. It was wild. Comments were crazy. A lot of good engagement. We'll just have to reevaluate further on what we want to do with these instant reactions, VZ. I think we'll need to sit down and discuss yeah, that. For sure. Which actually it might actually happen again it's, this upcoming it's gonna, it's weekend. So. The next yeah, next two weekends, really. <laughs> yeah, practically so. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss. <laughs> we'll make a D- game plan for it. Dustin's missing out on instant reactions, which the instant reactions are probably a little bit more fun. Don't have any kind of script to go off with. It's just us discussing like we would be after a game anyway, sitting down. So I wouldn't blame d for feeling like he's missing out. But I uh, had a good time with our instant reaction. If you guys haven't gone and listened to that, we recapped the Florida State win over 
Virginia Tech, VZ and I did last weekend. So you guys can just go watch that if you want to. But we've got quite a bit to discuss this evening. Uh, let's go and jump into it, gentlemen, because we're already about 10 minutes late on the show. But let's talk Virginia Tech real, real quick. Last thoughts, mainly for Dustin here, since he wasn't here for the instant reaction show. D. Lou, what were your feelings like during the game? Kind of swing upwards like me and VZ were talking about, then kind of falling flat there in the second quarter. And then you started, you know, you see the run game get going there, which we've talked about highly that this team needs to get going. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that win? Definitely an interesting one. Uh, Mike Norvell talked about all week going into the game against Virginia Tech that Florida State wanted to start fast. And, you know, we'd seen earlier this season, you know, especially against Boston College and Clemson, but also, you know, you can factor in LSU as well. Florida State kind of had some slow starts in the uh, first halves. And in this one, I mean, they just jumped all over the Hokies from the get-go, building that 22 nothing lead. You know, Johnny Wilson getting involved with his first two touchdown catches of the year. You saw that obscure two-point conversion that uh, Virginia native Brian Courtney was able to convert against the Hokies. And, I mean, it was just all clicking before, say, the defense forced three consecutive three and outs to start the ball game. It's flying on all cylinders. And then you get to that second quarter. Um, AZ makes that, I mean, man, one of the most athletic interceptions, probably the most athletic interception that I've ever seen live at a football game that gets called back for, I mean, a completely weak um, rough in the passer call on Byron Turner where he was already going into his tackle to take down drones and, I mean, man, watching it back on the replay a couple of times, I just – I don't see the penalty there at all. Uh looked like it should have been a pick for Florida State. But so then, you know, Florida State ends up getting the ball back and they target Ja'Kai Douglas deep downfield. Clearly has a hand on his shoulder, no pass interference penalty. It seemed like the officiating started to get to Florida State a little bit there and that kind of flipped the, the momentum for Virginia Tech. And they were able to come back with that swing, make it 22-10 to 10 going into the halftime. Um we talked about on the podcast last week, I've mentioned in particular the uh, kick return team or the kickoff coverage team and also the punt coverage team, how good they had been to start the season. Of course, they have a blunder to start that third quarter. Virginia Tech uh, returns the kickoff for a touchdown in Doak. And suddenly you're like, man, it's a five-point game. It certainly didn't feel like it. Uh, luckily, Florida State was able to come out there and Trey Benson finally had that breakout performance that we've been looking for. The offensive line was able to create some holes. The wide receiver, especially Keon Coleman, did a really good job blocking downfield. And Florida State did enough in that second half to uh, get the victory. But, I mean, all in all, I think it was pretty much what we were expecting. Definitely not the game of runs part. But me and Austin both had predicted a 21-point victory coming to this one. ended up being 22. So, I mean, we were pretty much right there on the nose. And I've got to bring it up. Jared Burse, two sacks. I think I nailed that prediction as well. I gave you your flowers on the instant reaction. Yep. I said yep, you nailed we it. Did. Yep, we made sure to give you your credit, as due deserved, that he did go off. And, and we all needed those sacks to happen eventually. I mean, we were kind of pressing on it. But, uh, you know, Jared Verse getting into his groove there is really good for, for Florida State. And you just wonder, too, we already know the stat lines that he put, puts up outside of just the sack number, but I do wonder if he just kind of cracked off something there to where now we're, we're going to see uh, a really intriguing player with Jared Verse and getting to the quarterback more because that's something Florida State really needs and definitely going through the rest of the season, they would love to have him in the backfield more and, and causing havoc and getting these tackle for losses with the sacks. So it was really good to see Verse um, disrupting. I thought, too, looking back on some of the film as well, Joshua Farmer had a good day. 
he was really disruptive just doing what he does best and just getting through on the bull rush. And he's just got so much strength and he's got such a strong base. You see it in practice every day, D. Lou. And uh, I've seen it in camp multiple times, but uh, his strength is just at a different level, one of the strongest on the team. The defensive line in general was extremely physical in this game. I thought Florida State uh, clearly won the battle at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And, I mean, going over to the offensive line uh, in the trenches, I don't think it was any surprise. It wasn't a coincidence that Florida State finally started to get that running game back on track with Robert Scott coming back into the lineup. And, uh, you know, we mentioned on the show last week as well, or at least I did, and wanted to keep Darius Washington out there despite having these guys get back into the lineup. They did. Uh, he had some reps on the left side and then it eventually ended up settling in on that right side once uh, Robert Scott got into the game. And we'll see if that's something that continues. But, you know, having that core four of Robert Scott, Darius Washington, Marie Smith, and Demetri Emanuel, and then, you know, it looked Casey Roddick ended up playing every snap at left guard in this game. If they can figure out that combination there and get some consistency going, and this is about the time last year that Trey Benson really started to uh, hit that stride for the Seminoles. It, it'll be huge if they can keep the running game, the consistency going now week to week after this huge performance against uh, Virginia Tech. Yeah, I thought Darius Washington did a really good job out there. Um, I don't have the PFF grades in front of me to to back that up, but I just thought he did a good things. I thought Florida State did some things offensively with their whole their whole offense, just getting things spread out to not have things so muddled up in the run game. It just looked much cleaner, much smoother, and that's something we've been talking about for the last month, really. It's just kind of cleaning things up on the interior for that running game. And we don't need the PFF grade for Darius Washington. He did get named the ACC's Offensive Lineman of the Week. So I think that's that says it all right there. And he didn't even start the game. Or actually, yeah, I guess he did start the game. Yeah, he did. Tackle. But Just the, nice the versatile Darius Washington. I mean, you can move him all over that offensive line and he'll continue to produce. And, I mean, it says a lot. You know, it's a guy that's been through a ton since he got to Florida State in 2019 and now to be this versatile chess piece that Alex Atkins and Mike Norvell can put anywhere any given Saturday uh, that's huge for the, the developments up front over these past couple of years it's just nice to have reliability on guys man just be able to if you can rotate like that it just goes to show a lot of good coaching on the back end but uh, having experience there that you can plug in there would be is huge for Florida State and just helps out a ton and continuing to have fluidity on offense and continued drives and that's something that Florida State if you look in years past really lacked in and lost a lot of their um, consecutive plays getting downfield and you know with able with Darius Washington I gave him a hard time once uh, he got in there early during his career at Florida State but I've been really happy to see him improve and continue to improve and improve and uh, he's turned out to be quite a good leader too for that O-line a lot of teammates respect him you can tell coach Atkins he put out a tweet earlier this week you know just talking about you know him saying you know hey Darius you're gonna be you're, you're playing you're playing Saturday and he's like all right Sounds good. Doesn't matter what position, though, on the offensive line. He's about that action, and he's ready to get out there, and that's something that you just really like to see from Darius. You put him at center, you put him in the guard position, you put him at tackle. That's just something that he's a Swiss Army knife, and so uh, really happy to see him get this, get this, uh, get the accolade that he deserves. It's an undervalued trait for sure. There's a lot of guys that say they can play inside-outside, but there's few that can do it at the consistent level that Washington can from position to position left side to right side, put them in at center if we have to for a little bit. I mean, that's that's a commodity in uh, college football. I'm hoping he stays in the lineup whenever 
everybody's fully healthy because you know Robert Scott's still dealing with some things. Bless Harris was out last game. I'm hoping that even when Bless Harris is back and Robert Scott's fully healthy, he stays out there because I think he's just too viable. And like you were mentioned the last couple of weeks, Dustin, he's just one of the best five offensive linemen, and you've got to put your best guys out there at this point. We didn't really talk about this a whole ton, VZ, but there's a comment here from Witt talking about Lawrence Toa Phillies run there and then also his acrobatic moves to get uh to the end zone it just goes to show i mean this kid is unbelievable with the way his balance is um he he's done it numerous times before we saw it at clemson earlier in his career and then now doing this against vt that this this kid is special it's it's wild i don't know what he's doing on the back end of things i don't know what it is it's a special trait to have for sure i've never seen a player like this that utilizes other players of the opponent to find more yards or get into the end zone. It's incredible, but a really special athlete and and good for Lawrence to Philly having a nice day as well. But Florida state getting that running game going is, is massive. And we saw, you know, Trey Benson get over that, those 200 yards last time to do that was with Dalvin cook. Uh, so he, he's in a really big spot there being alongside uh, one of the best to ever do it. If the best probably to the do best. it and Garnet and gold Dalvin cook. Uh, yeah, literally. So, you know, major props to Trey, but you know, Florida state continuing continuously trying to get some holes open, which I think you saw better of against Virginia tech. And that's what they're going to try to do going into this upcoming weekend as well. And I thought it was really cool after the game, uh, Trey Benson, um, obviously got to speak to the media after that huge night. He actually got to break the rock as well. I don't know if you guys were able to mention that on the uh, post-game reaction, but he told us during the course of that conversation that he had actually been texting with Dalvin Cook the last couple of weeks, and Dalvin had been let him, letting him know that you know he was about to get things heating up again on the ground, about to break out of that slump, and then, of course, he did it against Virginia Tech, and like you just said, Logan, the first 200-yard rusher for the program since Dalvin Cook did it himself seven years ago. And it was more yards than Trey Benson had rec- had totaled in those first four games. I mean, a, a breakout performance, a career performance for Trey Benson. And you've got to hope, you know, after a September where he struggled to get it going on the ground, after this he'll be firing out of a cannon moving into the rest of October. And hopefully they'll keep playing some defenses that just <laughs> that don't want to stop the run because Virginia Tech – seemingly had no interest in filling their gaps correctly and their linebackers were constantly out of position. It was, it was very interesting to see, but I was glad to see them get back on track, at least for one game. Hopefully we can keep it going this weekend against Syracuse. And just real quick back to what's coming about LT. Those kind of plays where someone body surfs off someone to get a touchdown, supposed to be a once in a lifetime play. And the fact we've seen LT do it twice in three years is kind of crazy. I think we've got to call it a swag surf. <laughs> no, we don't. We do not. It, I did overhear the swag surf playing. In the fourth quarter, I think. They had to wait and make sure it was comfortable first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, props to the DJ and allowing that to go through. Got to have a little swag surf throwback to a pretty traumatic time in Florida State history. There were for those in the stands, which we were. I do remember that, and what a time to be alive that mm-hmm. was. But uh, no black uniforms. I think that was the key there. No black unis, so that's what did it. Uh, I wanted to bring this up because I forgot to put this out on the docket, but there's just going to be some changes here coming soon to Doe Campbell Stadium. Uh, And if you're definitely a a season ticket member or you're just simply attending any games, uh, but uh, Florida State, Doe Campbell Stadium, Michael Alford have been doing a lot of work the last couple of years and putting down some renovations and planning ahead for what's going to be happening 
But uh, Florida State is going to be doing some things here soon. Uh, everyone sitting in the main stand bleachers will be asked to select a new seat location for 2024. Uh, I think one thing, at least on Twitter, I was seeing is that the West home side, where a lot of boosters sit, um, actually some of my family members hold some seats there that have been holding on to for 30, 40 uh, years. Uh, the West sideline structure will be removed entirely Rather than the space sitting empty during the rebuild, we will bring in a limited number of temporary chair back seats for the season. One thing on Twitter I saw the most talked about was the 7,000 temporary seats that will be holding on one side of the football field, um, which is going to be definitely a different feel for Doe Campbell Stadium in 2024 of next year which is going to get interesting. Hopefully we'll get some more clarification on that. Maybe we'll get uh, Michael Alford to come on here, Florida State's athletic director, to kind of maybe give us a better rundown on that game plan, but certainly going to have a different feel to Doe Campbell Stadium next year, gentlemen. Dude, that's interesting. I'm really curious to see exactly what it looks like next year, and especially because the west side's the home side, if yeah. I'm correct. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a little weird for there not to be fans behind behind the team but at least on tv you see the visitor side so i don't know it's gonna be interesting to see what it looks like next year that's all you can really say about it uh hopefully they can get that con- construction done and you know then whenever things reconvene in 2025 got a updated and very nice looking stadium to add on to the tradition that doe campbell stadium already has and i'm also yeah, curious no. to see what it does to, to the noise factor because Doak's a very loud stadium and part of it's just because it feels so enclosed now when you're taking out an entire sideline structure maybe it quiets things up in there for a little bit yeah they're gonna be building down i've seen some um some reviews and also some uh pictures made what do you call it yeah some rendering of some of those clubs at the bottom there they're gonna be building that blowing that out building some of those down below and then if you guys have ever been to Jacksonville, the Jaguar stadium, that's going to kind of have that club feel effect there. And I think one thing that Florida state is trying to do right now as we speak, and then trying to fix moving forward is not have that same type of feel that the champions club has where you're looking on TV or even at the game. It doesn't seem like anybody's up there sometimes. And it's very bare at some points. I know they want to fill out more seats in there and then maybe have more allowed, you know, uh, stand uh, like a viewing area type of deal, but that's something that they're going to have to be very careful with and, and not blowing out that whole side of Doe Campbell stadium, which has a heavy presence and boosters, ticket members, season, season long uh, ticket members. And then you're having a kind of a quiet, quieter side of a, of a stadium there. And that's absolutely not what they want to do. So going to be interesting what they, what they end up doing, like a comment on here saying only at that 7,000 seats on the home side for the entire season, shaking my head. I don't know. It doesn't seem too too great in FSU's home field favor, but I'm uh, interested to see what kind of game plan they have involved. And, you know, Michael Alford, he's done a lot of great things for not just the football program, but other sports across mm-hmm. the school. So I'm sure they've got a good game plan uh, ready, but uh, definitely something worth noting, uh, you know, going into next season. There's some skepticism and some questions about how things are going to go, but like you said, Logan, you got to remember that Michael Michael Alford is coming from the Dallas Cowboys and 
that was around whenever they were creating that massive new stadium in the NFL. So you've got to imagine that things are going to be done right at Florida State. Yeah. yeah, and especially when you've got games next year at home against NC State, North Carolina, Clemson, Florida. You know, those are some pretty big games that are that'll normally draw some big crowds. You got to get up for those games. And I wonder too about pricing. This could be a whole other discussion, but there's a whole lot of different things that go into this. And I'm just glad I'm not yeah. a part of someone behind the scenes planning all this. So I'm just going to sit back and just talk about it and act like I know what I'm doing and what should happen. So uh, some other news, so some big news here, guys, that we definitely need to discuss. And it broke, um, I believe, over the weekend. Was it, Dustin? I believe Sunday during the Celtics first preseason game right before right in the second. Oh, quarter, oh you know. how brutal. Brutal timing, brutal timing for Dustin here. But Winston Wright Jr., the West Virginia wide receiver transfer, is no longer with Florida State football's program. Uh, we talked with Mike Norvell during Monday's press conference. He wishes him the very best. Um, you know, I think there's some things where Winston Wright knew with Ja'Kai Douglas coming back, Ja'Kai Douglas was going to get that starting gig in the slot and he was going to see limited playing time there. And I also do think like we've discussed this whole entire time on the show, you know, Winston Wright was still trying to get to that 100% tick. You know, I, I just don't think he was getting there yet. And I think he's kind of evaluating what he wants to do career wise, but it seemed like from both parties involved, uh, this was a pretty um, you know, a, a nice separation from one another. And, you know, Mike Norvell talking very highly of Winston Wright and, and kind of almost um, kind of getting a little emotional there talking about Winston Wright, just go, talking about his rehab and how much work he's put into getting back there just onto the field, but then also being available to play week one against LSU and play earlier in the season. He's had a long, long road after that car accident, already having rehab from his first injury. A lot of things has gone into Winston Wright getting back available for Florida State, but I think at the end-all, be-all, he just knew there was going to be a lot of playing time over Ja'Kai Douglas and an uprising star, a young star with, with Destin Hill. But, um, yeah, Winston Wright Jr., no longer with the Florida State football program. It's a tough way for his chapter at Florida State to end because uh, we all remember whenever Wright was a part of that four different uh, wide receiver transfers coming into Florida State um, two years ago. And he out of, out of the bunch of the time, he was the one that we thought was probably going to make an immediate impact, the most proven out of that bunch when you're thinking of Winston Wright, um, Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, and Deuce Spann. I mean, he had a ton of production at West Virginia – was a a freak athlete, um, not only as a receiver, but also an all-conference kick returner as well and had scored multiple touchdowns in the return game and then goes through a couple practices at Florida State, suffers that unfortunate injury in the car accident during spring break. And, I mean, ever since then, it's just been extremely tough for Winston Wright um, working to get back. We saw him practicing last season, trying to get over that injury, wasn't able – to get there and play for Florida State. Um, finally, after some more rehab, was able to get back on the field in the spring. And, I mean, you could tell that Florida State was taking it slow, but we saw some flashes continue to grow in the preseason. But, I mean, just couldn't consistently get all the way back from, I mean, an extremely tough injury to recover from. It was good, I mean, really just to see him make his debut in Garnet and Gold against LSU 
But unfortunately, I mean, like you said, Logan, with Ja'Kai Douglas coming back and Destin Hill continuing to ramp up, it just looked like Winston Wright wasn't wasn't going to be playing a lot for Florida State on offense the remainder of the season. Um, we saw it on Saturday. He didn't end up playing a snap on offense. Ja'Kai Douglas and, and Destin Hill soaked up the majority of reps in the slot there. And then, I mean, Johnny Wilson actually got some some time in the slot before he went down with that injury. So it seems like Florida State's probably going to take that route for the rest of the season, ride with Ja'Kai Douglas and Destin Hill, who we did see get that 30-yard catch um, against Virginia Tech. But, I mean, you just hate to see it uh, for the kid because he came to Florida State with high intentions. And, I mean, it really just got taken out of his control. Yeah, it sucks to see, man. We all, we all had such high hopes for him. And, you know, just sadly it didn't work out. I think this season he'd only played 29 snaps off the top of my head. Yeah. And with him not playing this past game, you know, is there maybe a potential he transfers somewhere else, saves his eligibility since he played in four games? Um, you know, hopefully we can see him on the field again and be productive somewhere else. You know, as I'm sure everybody in that locker room loves that kid and so hopefully it works out for the best for him. Yeah, a lot of respect from his teammates there uh, and just what he was able to persevere over and, and get the rehab done and get out there. And I also do think, you know, he's got to kind of now question – does he want to keep risking it? And I just wonder too health wise, just overall health, not just football health and availability on the field, but you know, how much more can you do pressing wise on the leg and, you know, to where it could be really a severe injury and it can be, you know, lifelong lasting. And, you know, I think that's something that his, him, his family, you know, they sit down and figure out what they want to do. And of course, all of us want to see him out on the field more, but I'm just wondering, just health concerns wise, how much of a much of a risk it is now to continue to do that. And definitely with taking on hits at it, you know, you just should, it's football, you're going to get hit. And definitely as a wide receiver, you're extremely vulnerable at times. And it, it's just so, so risky. So uh, super fun uh, guy to cover. And, you know, didn't get to see a whole lot of time with him on the field, but just overall, just hearing from Mike Norvell, Ron Dugan's man, Ron Dugan's always getting emotional talking about him and how much work he's put put in to get where he where he was and where he's at now. Uh, but here as a show, you know, wishing him uh, the very best to him and his family, his family able to meet with them a few times at a few practices and good people. So wishing them the best and definitely Winston. He's a competitor, man. It wouldn't surprise me to uh, see him explore his opportunities whenever the transfer portal window opens up on December 4th. Uh, let's talk about Johnny Wilson real quick. I just wanted to bring up what Mike Norvell said on Monday's press conference previewing Syracuse. Uh, he said that they're going to be monitoring uh, Johnny Wilson, Florida State star wide receiver. Uh, he said that Johnny was feeling better on Sunday, which is a good sign. But, you know, there's some things here where do you really need to risk Johnny Wilson going into this game on on Monday or Monday on Saturday? I'm getting so confused now. I'm all over the place with NFL Sunday, Monday. When the hell are the games going on? But yeah, Saturday when Florida State faces Syracuse, do you really risk Johnny Wilson going in there? Whenever you've seen production out of some of these other wide receivers, is there is it worth the risk of of your wide receiver one B? He may be one of those like break glass in case of emergency kind of things. Yeah, like just where they like, keep him active, they keep him dressed up, or keep him on the sidelines just uh, in case you need like a red zone touchdown or whatever. Um, I'd actually prefer him not to play and give these other receivers a chance to get comfortable in the system, get more importantly, get Jordan Travis used to these other receivers because he's 
only strictly thrown to Keon and Johnny so far. So if he can get used to the Destin Hills and get the timing back with Ja'Kai Douglas because a little bit off on Saturday, you know, if he can get used to these guys, then you add Johnny Wilson back in, just makes the offense more dangerous. And and with Kentron, I know you're probably about to say yeah, it, but Kentron too, getting into the flow of things, getting to see him on Saturday, which was great. Good to see him also being physical as a blocker. But too, you know, they're going to ramp up some more production from Kentron, who was the king of the spring. King of the spring is making his comeback fully. And so you add that in and you're like, okay, I think we can allow you to sit on the sidelines for a game. Johnny, rest up. Don't. It looked like a nasty hit from both the top and bottom, both both parts of the body getting affected there and the hits. So I uh, don't fully know what the injury is, but you know, just rest it a little bit. There's some guys that could earn some more playing time and also Kentron get some more, get some of that rust out and, and get going. It was hard to tell what happened on Saturday. It looked like uh, from one angle, his left leg kind of got bent up under him a little bit. And then from the other angle, he kind of took a little bit of a hit to the head. And, you know, I kind of, I mean, I don't, I'm not, 100 percent certain but i kind of lean towards it maybe more being a concussion especially since they had him walk off to a locker room i figure if it was some type of leg injury they'd probably just um cart him that distance but uh regardless you know i i don't really want to see johnny wilson play in this game unless he's 100 percent. you think about next week duke is bringing a really tough defense into tallahassee that I mean, has pretty much held every team they've played this season under 20 points except for Notre Dame. And, I mean, even that took some uh, some crazy plays at the end, that fourth and 18 by Sam Hartman, to uh, even get that to happen. So, I mean, they've been productive throughout the year. You're going to need your offense to be working at 100% whenever the Blue Devils show up for that Saturday night showdown. So, like I said, unless Johnny Wilson's full go and all the way back from whatever he's dealing with from Saturday, I think you play it safe here. Rely on your guys like Keon Coleman. Um, like you said, Logan Kentron, I think he's ramping up and, and getting back closer to 100%. Ja'Kai Douglas is going to have another week under his belt. Um, you still got Darren Williamson. Destin Hill is getting better week by week. So Deuce, Deuce Span is back. You've got enough weapons in that wide receiving core to get by a Syracuse team that I, I think Florida State should be able to handle if they go into this game focused like we saw last week. Yeah, no reason to risk it if you don't need to. Absolutely not. Not whatsoever. Definitely with Duke coming in town, like you were saying, Dustin, physical defense. Florida State can't get their run game clicking, then you know what? You know what they were able to do and get it going against Clemson. You're just going to throw those fade shots to Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson down the sidelines. So if there's any kind of evacuation route you've got to go, then you'd rather have a 100% Johnny Wilson for that matchup next weekend, which we learned Earlier this week will be a nighttime kickoff, either 7.30 or 8 o'clock. I'm hoping for 7.30. I don't really want 8 p.m. ACC Network, but you know what? I, I just get a good feeling that that's what they're going to do, and they're going to screw us a little bit there and have some I'd, ACC Network action. I'd, I'd be shocked. Feel. I mean, the other game is Miami and Clemson. You're going you're gonna to give up the top 25 matchup for that? Come on, man. It's the, it's the ACC. It's the ACC. Think about it. We've we've had a lot of question marks about this conference, and they've screwed us multiple times before. Hmm. So it won't be up to them. ESPN is going to be pulling that game. <sighs> Sorry. I hope they do a good job of doing that. Um, there was a 
question in here about Jaheim Bell and also Tatum Bethune. I guess we can kind of mix in practice observations here with this, Dustin, but uh, didn't get to see Tatum Bethune. I showed VZ, we were talking about it, that showed that he got one rep. On, on special he, teams. Yeah, on special yeah. teams at PFF, but that just doesn't seem right. Yeah, I don't know what was. Why in the world would he, if he's not fully 100%, oh, screw it, here you go. Here's here's a kickoff return or. I think uh, I think Mike Norvell said on Monday that he ended up getting seven snaps on offense, was pretty banged up um, throughout the week, and they didn't even know if he was going to be able to suit up and just kind of said it was a testament to Jaheim for being able to prepare himself to be able to get out there at all for the Seminoles. And uh, same thing for Tatum Bethune. Mike Norvell said that he's been pretty banged up ever since that Clemson week and they were just kind of playing it a little bit safe with him against Virginia Tech, kind of limited limited him to mostly special teams reps against the Hokies. And it seems like both of these guys are probably going to be back closer to their normal selves this weekend. I mean, Jaheim Bell had two very nice practices, um, especially yesterday. I mean, he was just making plays all over the field, dicing up guys in one-on-ones, coming back in, in seven-on-seven, getting some catches behind the defense. Then you had Tatum Bethune. I mean, I thought – you know, for a guy that Mike Norvell said was pretty banged up, I mean, he didn't look like it to me. He was still being extremely physical in the running game, coming up, popping some running backs, ended up coming away with an interception today in the end zone off a pass that DJ Lundy deflected up into the air. So both of them um, look like they should, they should be good to uh, produce more on Saturday. That's a good sign. That is definitely a good sign for Florida State. Hayden Bethune just brings such a good presence to that defense overall and the run game as well. So uh, just having that experience is big for Adam Fuller's defense. Uh, Let's jump into some AP poll rankings. Florida State moving up to number four in the country. Georgia at number one, Michigan number two, Ohio State number three, Florida State number four, Oklahoma rising seven spots. To number five, Penn State six, Washington hanging out at seven, Oregon hanging out at eight, Texas drops six spots to number nine, and then at number 10 is Lincoln Riley and the Trojans and USC. Um, big all rise there for, for Brent Venables, though, Florida State That's- facing them in the ball game last year. We saw the signs of it, gentlemen. I think I, th- I think I was – I don't know who I was talking. Maybe it was UVZ, someone that I was like, man – you know, Brent Venables, you get an offense with him, you yeah. know what he can do on defense. But, you know, good good for Brent. I like Brent. Going through that, you know, media week we had there in Orlando, D. Lou, I really did become a, yeah. a pretty big fan of Brent Venables. Really nice, easy to talk to, and showed a ton of praise to Mike Norvell and the program that he's doing. And, you know, shout out to him getting the big win in the Red River rivalry. Uh, that was a phenomenal game to watch. Oklahoma is the team I'm looking at this week in that top 10, Logan, for the exact same reason that you said so. I mean, Florida State, they didn't get a ton of credit last season in that Cheez-It Bowl, playing against 7-5. and five. Oklahoma having to come back from the double-digit deficit to, to win by a field goal in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, look at them now. Um, Oklahoma, a lot of those same pieces from last year have come back for Brent Venable's second year, including quarterback Dylan Gabriel, the former – UCF transfer. What are we watching on the screen right now? Oh, I'm looking at you. Oopsies. What is this? But <laughs> that's what you look. That's what you look like. Are you scared? But anyway, I am. <laughs> I mean, that just that just uh, showed us some shades of what was to come this year. And I think 
that should even boost up that win that Forest State had in the Cheez-It Bowl even more. I was so happy when Brent Venables left Clemson. I'm, I'm glad he's having his own success outside of the ACC. Um, you know, it, it's good to see it's good to see good people winning. Like you said, Brent Venables is one of those people. I do have to make a, a, a complaint with AP Top 25. If we're going to have Ohio State third for beating Notre Dame, why in the hell is Louisville 14th? They did what? move up 11 spots. So. 11. C- congrats. But if we're, just compa- if we're just comparing yeah. resumes, they've got the same resume. They've only beat one team, and it's Notre Dame. They, they are rising people by a, lo- a big amount. But when Florida State beats LSU, though, wow, just a couple spots. Here you go. Here you go. Here you have it. But, man, I mean, 11 spots there. Oklahoma, 7. Like, I feel, I feel bad for Louisville. Didn't they're take behind, them until the last second either. They're behind three teams that already have a loss. Let's uh, go down to the bottom real quick. Neither 24 nor 25 need to be in the top 25. I can't believe I can't believe Miami stayed that, in. That, can't believe, how does Kentucky fall four spots after losing by 40? Like, what are we doing? AP polls nuts. I'm just hoping, though, and here in a few weeks when the college football playoff comes out, that we're also not going to be feeling the same way. I'm sure we will. There will be some griping, or maybe there will be some good things. But, you know, the AP poll is really hard to just really rely on for credibility at this point, and just the way they do some of these rankings. But incredible game there for for Miami and and literally Georgia Tech. Of all, of all people, I, I – and I don't know who posted this. Maybe it was in our Discord or something, but someone was saying, you know, Georgia Tech could pull off some hilarious stuff. And it was the night before. And then so be it. You know, I'm like, all right, well, this game's over. Almost about to turn it off. They're going to take a knee, right? They don't take the knee. What are we doing here? N- not even taking the knee. Don't want to put the game away. And you could just feel it in your head. You're like, no way. Because every FSU fan is just hoping for the worst. They're like, strip that friggin' ball, strip the ball. And sure enough, it gets popped out. Yes. The arms down, elbows down. But first off, you just don't put yourself in that position to allow a fumble. But it's just absolutely hilarious. You just knew that but at that point, Georgia Tech was going to win that game. They're going to recover the ball. It only took a couple plays, and boom, it goes viral. And, uh, you know, Mario Cristobal should be, and that whole entire staff should have a drug test waiting for them on Sunday morning at their desks. The, it was- the crazy thing is, so I tweeted like midway through the first quarter, I'm like, this is an ugly game it was zero zero like nobody was no no offense was doing anything i think at halftime it was three nothing i'm like why am i watching this game i'm exhausted i'm just gonna go to bed mm-hmm. wake up the next morning 9 a.m oh, wow. and i'm like wait miami lost to georgia tech that's funny and everyone's like no you need to go watch it and i watched mm-hmm. like that is unbelievable how can you be that idiotic <laughs> like that's the, that was my first thought was how do you that's be true. that stupid in that scenario I wish I could. If you're up 20, fine, but you're up one score. Take Mm -hmm. a knee and go to the locker room. (laughs) What are you doing? I wish I could pull it up, but uh, YouTube would give us a copyright strike and we wouldn't be able to plug these embeds into our articles. But uh, hilarious. I've never seen any, nobody's ever seen anything like that. You you just can't make it up. Just whenever, you know, Miami's undefeated, they're on a rise here, getting a lot of momentum here. And we're hoping Florida State and Miami, that could be a college game day experience Mm -hmm. in Tallahassee. Like, okay. That's fine. That's fine. Keep winning. Keep winning. And then also helps to Florida State on their resume as they get into this college football playoff rankings. And then they just blow it. It was funny because before the FSU game, our intern, Robert, 
uh, he absolutely hates Miami, and he he was talking to me. He was talking to me about the game, and he's like, "Man, I really think Georgia Tech could pull the upset." I'm like, "I I don't know. I mean, it's Georgia Tech. They lost to Bowling Green like a week or two ago, so I wasn't very confident. I had the game on um, on that final drive, and it got to that third down play, and there was under 40 seconds left. Georgia Tech didn't have a timeout. I'm like, all right, Miami's just going to take a knee. I flipped over to the USC um, Arizona game, and I'm watching that for a couple minutes. And I look at my phone, and I get the notification about the touchdown. So I flip it back, and Georgia Tech had scored a, an all-time coaching blunder from Miami. And What's then it? after that, it was crazy to see the fan meltdown, the the beat writers going at Mario. I mean, <laughs> you could just tell there were some people that were waiting on that moment. And which we're six weeks in to the season, and we already have the most outrageous circle of sucks since Miami of Florida lost to Georgia Tech, who lost to Bowling Green, who lost to Miami of Ohio, who lost to Miami of Florida. (laughs) (laughs) What? It's phenomenal. It really is. And just looking at Florida's game, too, it's just the most boring offense I've ever seen in my life. And things aren't looking great there in Gainesville as well. I think it's going to be a different story than the last time you and I were there, D. Lou, in Gainesville. Uh, just from what we've seen in play so far, unless Florida really switches some things up, it is pretty easy to tell what they're running on offense. And, you know, is focus, too, is a big thing. But, you know, Florida's in, a, in an interesting spot as well, at least keeping it in state. But they got the revenge against Vandy. That's big. There you go. There you have it. And Florida State being the only Barely. undefeated team in the state of Florida. So, uh, shout out to the Knowles. Uh, speaking of shout out to the Knowles, way down the line here in 2026, but welcome to recruiting and welcome to being a good team. A lot of players want to now come to Tallahassee, and this one is going to be a 2026 commit. Daryl Bell, an athlete, uh, his position at that, most likely going to be a DB safety. You were saying D. Lou in the production meeting, but he had some offers here from Louisville, still holds them from at Florida Atlantic, Charlotte FAMU, Bethune-Cookman. Um, I know long ways away, Dustin, but uh, Florida State and Mike Norvell grabbing a 2026 commit. I feel like now it's at this point where we are getting older and older. Dustin, you're old. <laughs> BZ, you're you're old. And I'm, yeah. I'm still kind of nice. young, but I'm starting to get to this point where I just don't want to know the ages. I'm fine with seeing the 2026 stuff and whatever, but I don't want to know what their ages are. Even that, even seeing like the Tribe 26 and the Tribe 27, it just kind of freaks me yeah. out actually uh, seeing that on paper. But mm-hmm. uh, Daryl Bell, um, an athlete coming out of South Florida, seems like he's probably going to project to be a safety at the next level as of now. I mean, you never really know over two years to go in his high school career. But, I mean, at least on huddle, um, very good instincts, athlete, physical hitter. Looks very good for someone playing down there in that tough competition in South Florida. Someone who's only a sophomore at uh, this point in his career and joins Devin Carter, four-star legacy commit, in that 2026 class early on. Um, You know, at this stage of someone's recruitment, I don't think Florida State would be taking a commitment just to take commitment. I think they see something in this kid. Hmm. Okay. Early, early. I like it. Florida State usually does a pretty decent job of evaluating mm-hmm. well ahead of time, and these kids develop. Look at Luke Cromanhop, uh, yep. you know, a kid that is just has gotten better and better and better. 
But um, yeah. But not even not even just Luke. I mean, Cam Davis has been committed to Florida mm-hmm. State for over two years. You think about Camden Fryer, he's been in the yeah. boat for a long time. Croman Hawk. But then you've got CJ Hurd, who was committed for over a year. And I mean, he's not committed to Florida State anymore, but at the time they had also gotten uh Jordan Pride's um verbal commitment whenever I believe it was it was either at right after his sophomore year or early in his junior year, but it had to be sophomore year. So they got a commit from him a while out. So I mean Florida State's coaching staff, they found a way to not only be productive in the present, but they're also getting these future classes already prepared, getting some building blocks going, establishing a foundation. And I I think having that kind of scouting outlook is huge for the Seminoles. I obviously should have not made any kind of age uh, comparisons in here. We're getting ripped in the comments. We are still, we, we still are pretty, pretty young. Also, I need to give a shout out to Gilly over here. She's absolutely enjoying our episode here. Seems like we're doing a good job of entertaining her. She's just passed out on her back Usually on the bed. So. But she's somewhere else this time, sadly. Uh, Dustin's full screen for no reason. Just get, There you go. There's a good view of Dustin. He looks great. Glamour awesome. shot. Yep. Make sure you're ready at all times. You never know what's coming your way. Um, but yeah, let's start jumping into the Syracuse preview, gentlemen. And then we're going to give our score predictions at the end. But Florida State going to be taking on Syracuse at noon at Doak Campbell Stadium. You guys liking the Nooners? You glad to be done Hell around no. like five o'clock and be no. done for the day, or do you want to go like eight eight p.m. kickoff and then be done at one thirty two o'clock in the morning? I hate noon games. Noon games are the worst, especially when you've had three noon games in your first six of the season. I mean. It's getting a little old at this point. I like sleeping in a little bit on my Saturday. 3.30 is perfect. I, yep. mean, I, I love a 7.30, 8 o'clock. I know we get home late after the game, but 3.30 last week I, I thought was great. I was able – well, actually, you know you what? you get Whataburger on the way home? No, because the line awesome. the line was absolutely insane because it was family weekend. I was about to say, actually, 3.30 games suck because whenever I try to go home, the traffic was – See, there you go. Just awful. <laughs> now, they, now they suck because of food. I mean, give, me a, give me a 10 p.m. kickoff. <laughs> you know, I forgot to mention this too earlier, and I can't talk highly into injuries and such, but I saw a comment on here from Witt talking about Brock Lynn, but we do have videos of him uh, practicing – this week, which is a good sign. Um, you know, Mike Norvell talked about it a little while ago, saying he wasn't going to be available. Things he's rehabbing in to get back better. But I just wanted to mention on there, Florida State's freshman quarterback that a lot of people are really excited for and hopefully going to see a lot more of throughout his career, Florida State potentially going into the next season. But that was a good sign to see him dressed out and uh, practicing uh, this week in a couple of videos I saw and that we posted on socials. Hasn't just been this week. He's been ramping it up a little bit. Uh, mm. About since the bye week, I want to say, doing a little doing a little bit more here and there as time goes on. We haven't had an official update from Mike Norvell, but when he was talking about that injury, he made it clear that Brocklin wasn't going to be out for the remainder of the season. So, I mean, even today, watching him in seven-on-seven, seven, he had a couple of nice passes. And like I said, just continuing to uh, ramp back up. There we go. Well, gentlemen, how are we feeling about this game going into it? I think we were talking in the production meeting about Syracuse's defense and where Florida State can 
put some points on the board uh, if they want to. If they start off like they did in that first quarter, you know, this team is really hard to beat. I mean, Florida State putting up 22 points in that first and that first quarter is huge. Um, and then, but you know, kind of peeling off a little bit, just not a, wanting to push as much going in that second quarter. You know, penalties don't help. There was a lot of things that uncharacter uncharacteristically Florida state was doing not being strong with their discipline is what put them in that rut there to not put up some more points. But uh, you would like to see Florida state have a strong first half and a second half. We just still haven't seen that out of this team yet. You know, we've seen some great signs. You saw it against LSU, what they're able to do in the fourth quarter. We're able to see now this last weekend, the first quarter against Virginia tech, you know, you're just kind of wondering, when will we or will we ever see, you know, Florida State have four strong quarters where they're able to put away a team early on and you're jotting out, you know, Tate Rodemaker quite a bit earlier, seeing some more of those true freshmen that I think all of us want to see because they've shown science in practices and some glimpses and some games. But, uh, you know, just going into it, gentlemen, how are we feeling and uh, what will you be looking out for on Saturday afternoon? I think Syracuse, you know, they're coming in on a two-game losing streak right now, winless in ACC play after falling to uh, Clemson and North Carolina the past two weeks, lost to the Tar Heels 40-7 to on Saturday. I think they're going to come in with a little bit of chip of a chip on their shoulder. I mean, you can't afford to go to start 0-3 in ACC play if, you know, you're going to try and contend moving forward later into the season. They've got a veteran quarterback who this will be the third straight year that Florida State has faced, Garrett Schrader. Um, Dino Babers has extensive experience matching up against Florida State. So I think we're going to see Syracuse throw some interesting wrinkles there on offense to try and get those receivers involved. Definitely going to be trying to pound the ball and control the clock as well. But I'm also looking over at Syracuse's defense. First-year defensive coordinator Rocky Long. I mean, uh, a legend in college football and a guy who – Knows how to run a defense very efficiently. Is going to throw a ton of different looks out there at Florida State, bringing pressure from a variety of different areas, whether it's linebackers on the blitz, bringing in defensive backs, and then backing out of the blitz at the last second. Um, it's going to be fun to see how Florida State handles that and how the offensive line um, is able to protect Jordan Travis because Syracuse coming into this game averaging three sacks a game. Jordan Travis has only been sacked five times all season, one of those things is going to have to give on a Saturday morning. It was interesting watching their last two games, especially against UNC. It felt like Syracuse's defense was so concerned about Drake May running that there's just so much open right behind the linebackers. I'm like, if you're afraid of Drake May running, have fun against Jordan Travis. And hopefully Jordan Travis is seeing these routes behind the linebackers in the middle of the field. Hopefully they can get the Destin Hills and the Ja'Kai Douglases and Keon Coleman's involved across the middle of the field. There is so much space, and especially after – Carolina was stretching them horizontally from the line of scrimmage first with wide receiver screens and stretch runs. And then finally just so much open up in the middle of the field. I'm like, if there's ever going to be a game where Florida State's finally attacking the middle of the field, it's going to have to be in this game. It's like prime for Jaheim Bell to really have yeah. uh, a bounce back game, in my opinion, with that area being open for him. That and Ja'Kai Douglas, hopefully in the slot, making a bigger impact. And, you know, you got to think Destin Hill is going to continue to get targets as he – builds chemistry with Jordan Travis. But as you guys said, I think this is the game where Florida State, they can work that middle of the field, and they're definitely going to come out and try and establish the running game early behind this offensive line. Mm-hmm. And stay disciplined, too. You know, don't get out of what you were doing such a good job of from the latter half of last year and then the early parts of this year. Stay disciplined, stay smart. 
Um, don't overthink things. I think this team is something that's hurt them a little bit throughout the season. Just overthinking some plays being made, and it starts up top with Jordan Travis. Um, you know, taking some easy shots is nice. And, you know, Florida State, they tried that deep ball there with Ja'Kai. I think, you know, it just showed right off the bat, you know, uh, his chemistry with Ja'Kai and them, you know, a little rusty. You know, you know, they were able to click on quite a few plays last year. But, you know, try to get that fixed so because, you know, Ja'Kai Douglas is a really good threat and he's usually reliable for Jordan Travis and that was underthrown. Those things can be fixed. Um, but, you know, I would like to see that utilization more with, with Douglas. And I, like I said earlier, I think Bell has, has a chance here. Um, to, to really shine in what Syracuse Syracuse's defense brings on Saturdays. Uh, I'm trying to think in here, too, of a few players, you know, Rodney Hill, Trey Benson, um, you know, keeping an eye out for a few other players as well on the defensive side, you know, as Ray Thomas, you showed us like you were talking about Dustin earlier in the show, big time interception. I'm also see, you know, keeping an eye out too on, on Conrad Hussey, how much we'll see of him, you know, just evaluating Kevin Knowles's play and seeing if Conrad Hussey is able to jump in there more. It just seems like from the staff's perception of both young players, Dustin Hill and Con Conrad Hussey, those two are really taking a charge on getting more playing time and opportunities. And I would not, uh, be against seeing more of Conrad Hussey, obviously De Destin Hill as well, but um, seeing seeing Conrad Hussey out there, he's shown a lot of signs of growth just off of the first day. Remember, this kid was not an early enrollee. He showed up the first day of fall camp and, and was making plays, and you can definitely tell he's been in the film room. He's putting himself in the right spot, and you know he, he had a lot of flashes this last Saturday. I would not be against seeing the young true freshman safety. I've been very impressed with the trajectory that Comrade Hussey is on. Um, we all remember he led Florida State in interceptions during the preseason, had a great showing whenever Florida State made that trek over to UNF with, I think, three interceptions in two practices. And, I mean, he's just continued to grow then. Obviously started out the season in a little bit of a smaller role, but has just continued to grow over the last couple of weeks. And we saw it with that breakout performance against Virginia Tech where he was able to have that massive hit um, and force an incompletion, ended up finishing with three tackles, had that forced fumble at the end of the game there as well to kind of seal the deal for Florida State. So Conrad Hussey has come along, especially in a defensive backfield where there have been some consistency concerns at times and, you know, teams have been going right at Kevin Knowles and really trying to test him. I think you've got to play Conrad Hussey more opposite of Shaheen Brown and see if these two can get some real chemistry going. I'm looking at the linebackers because after Gadsden went down for Syracuse, they don't really have a huge receiving threat, and it's been the running back has been the most targeted guy these last couple of weeks out of the backfield. And Garrett Schrader is also capable of tucking it down and running himself. So hopefully you get a guy like Tatum Bethune back to close to 100%. Him, Kalen Deloach, and DJ London can be playing at a high level. And if you can stop – Allen and you can stop straighter. I just I don't see a way this offense can really sustain drives. And you bring up a good point, Austin. Once again, another dual threat quarterback on the schedule. Now Schrader, he's a, a dual threat's a stretch. He's a he bigger can, he can run. He's a bigger dude, six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, more in the mold of a guy like drones last week than someone like Castellanos oh. earlier in the season. But I mean he's got <laughs> Dude, he's got close to 400 yards on the season. I think I want to say seven touchdowns on the ground. I mean, he's definitely a threat and someone that Florida State 
is going to have to be aware of. Whenever they yeah, played but- against Syracuse last year, he was pretty limited at the time, wasn't able to do a ton with his legs. And I think that played a big factor in Florida State. I mean, just absolutely running over Syracuse 38-3. to But this time around, a lot healthier coming into this matchup. Syracuse is just – Syracuse this year is one of those teams where you see the stats, you're like, Oh, Gary Schrader's run for 400 yards and seven touchdowns. And then you look at their last few games against North Carolina and Clemson. Uh, against Clemson, Schrader, Remember. yeah, Clemson ha- or Schrader had 24 yards against Clemson, and I think he had yeah 28 against Carolina. So, <laughs> what what are we looking at? Is that a plane? It's a it's a, it's a picture of Garrett Schrader. He's a pilot. Oh. I did not know that. I guess, and it's him. With this plane right here, I did not know. I was just looking yeah, at his size. Piloting the Syracuse offense. Yep, yeah, fun fact just, of the day there for our Syracuse is just one of those viewers. teams. It, Syracuse is just one of those teams where their stats are so inflated by playing Army and Purdue and two other teams at the beginning of the season that don't even matter. Once you watch these last two games against Clemson and against Carolina, it's it's just really not that good of a team, at least as of right now, especially without Gadsden. They've definitely struggled uh, in these last two games against Clemson and North Carolina, finished with under 300 yards of total offense uh, come in, in both those two games, only 21 total points the last two weeks. So, I mean, this is going to be make or break for Syracuse. They're either going to come into Tallahassee and put on a little bit of a competitive game with, with Florida State or they're going to roll over and get blown out early. I would like to see Tatum Bethune versus Garrett Strader big hit moment. That would be a collision right there. 225, Tatum Bethune. It's it's not like Schrader's been throwing well either the last couple weeks. You know, 124 yards last week, 181 yards against Clemson. Two total picks. I just don't see a – maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm completely jinxing the defense. I just don't see a way Syracuse can sustain drives unless they're hitting crazy explosive plays, which they started out the season doing that. Mm -hmm. But in the last few weeks, I think they've only got – nine or ten total plays of ten plus yards. Like they're just not they're just not that explosive offense that they were in the first four weeks. And that's what it's gonna take. Syracuse on the year, 32 plays of 20 plus yards. I ranks 33rd in the country. But like you said, Austin, I mean they've been um pedestrian the last two weeks playing against a lot better defenses than they did those four those first four games of the season. And you know, I also agree with what you were saying, Austin, that some of those numbers are a little inflated with what Syracuse was able to do on offense. But at the same time, we've got to see this Florida State defense play a complete game. For sure. And you, you can go back to last game of Florida State's defense and be like, oh, they're giving a big running plays and they were hitting Virginia Tech had those explosive plays at times in the game, but they still only allowed 13 points or sorry, 10 points on defense. You know, they when it came when it came to it, they stepped up, and even those 10 points, you could argue, shouldn't have mattered if you throw in the rough in the quarterback, which, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, was BS. If that's taken away, that they only get three points. So yeah. I thought the defense overall, overall played pretty decent. They just need to be a little bit better, and this is a good opportunity to do that against a team that's not as good running the football. Mm-hmm. Yep, having that pass rush, too, getting that clicking as it's been. Uh, would be nice to see again and back-to-back weeks and, and see that pass rush from the inside that we've seen rip through. Uh, has been nice, but also on the outside. You, know, you see Gilbert Edmond, you know what you're getting out of Jared Verse. 
Pat Payton too, who had a nice game. Um, you know, Florida State continuously trying to bring that defensive line pressure to Schrader will be good. And they were able to do that last year, and we'll see if that if they're able to do it again and back-to-back seasons with Adam Fuller's defense. But you, you got to stay consistent there. That's the biggest thing. And to that point, Schrader has been sacked 14 times already this season. That includes um, two games where he was sacked five times. Um, Florida State, after getting Jared Verse going last week, you got to wonder if that defensive line is going to be able to turn their heads back and get after it once again. Jared Verse, um, I know we haven't really done specific practice observations talk during this episode, but, I mean, he had a really good week of practice for Florida State, um, a lot of energy after that performance against Virginia Tech. And, I mean, especially on Tuesday, there were at least two plays where he got through the offensive line so quick and got to the quarterback that the coaching staff just kind of ignored him and let the play continue on because it would have been a waste of time to stop it that quickly. But Jared Verse um, looks like he's back and ready to stuff the stat sheet these next couple of weeks. I mean, the, the, the defense was already getting after the quarterback last week. I know they only ended up with Verse's two sacks, but they ended up having 15 total pressures across nine different players. So they were getting after drones last week and i think schrader's just gonna be another opportunity this week Mm -hmm. i think one thing that jared verse his one of his best talents is his speed but i'm also now kind of wondering what the size added on like this is gonna be more of a thing after the season because he's already got the size but you know I, i like him a little bit more trimmed up i've come to find out i like him a little bit more slimmer and i think that's something that scouts going into the the combine and everything uh he'll trim up definitely once he gets into the league but uh you know he's just got the power though that at some point you just can't stop after rep after rep after rep for these tackles so he's able to take advantage of but you can just see the little bit of a lack of speed in my opinion from last year going into this season so uh just something different than you're gonna have to put another player out there i think gilbert edmonds more has that athleticism um, and you know what you're getting out of Pat Payton, but just something I've observed watching games and I can definitely tell and see a difference from last year. It just depends on what kind of player you want or also what his duties are and task management, assignment management uh, from Coach uh, JP and what kind of scheme they're bringing to the offense they're going against. I do think he's been really good at time of the snap count lately. I mean, especially the the sack against Virginia Tech. I mean, he was already in the backfield before the left tackle could even react. So, I mean, even even if you can say maybe his speed has gone down a little bit with the added weight, I think his overall game has improved because he's just become a lot smarter, has better instinct. More tactical. More tactical and technique-wise uh, has improved. And I said, I said on the instant reaction, there was one play in the first quarter where he just smoked the left tackle off the line, but it ended up being a run play. And he pointed at the left tackle. He's like, I'm going to get you one of these times. And he ended up getting him a few, a few quarters later. But mm-hmm. he, he's definitely worked on his get off. Yeah. 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 So uh, definitely some things that he worked on during the off season. And I, I'm just so excited to see which team picks him up at the next level. I, I just think they're going to build a, a, a serious freak athlete and, and prototype for a guy that's going to stick in the league for. A long while there's just so many of his kind of build i would see in the league but he's just got that natural talent that i know a lot of coaches are salivating over to get him on their roster uh let's jump into score predictions to end this off i know vz has a, just a few kind of basketball notes to end us off on but just some score predictions though gentlemen i don't D remember who up. went first last week i, I, I went I i'm pretty sure deal is first oh, okay gotcha are y'all gonna hold hands again 
we'll find, find out. out. I'm glad I get to go first. I, I, I had a score in my mind already, and he sort of like, I'll just wait. I don't want to score anything. Mm, Uh-oh. <sighs> Seems to be working, though. The second of three consecutive home games for Florida State, another sold-out contest in Doe Campbell Stadium. You've got the 1993 National Championship celebration um, during halftime coming for Florida State. And this is going to be a big weekend for the Seminoles. This is an overmatched Syracuse team. They've lost their best weapon on offense. I do think their defense is going to be able to make things interesting um, in the first half of this contest. But I expect some adjustments from Mike Norbell on offense and Florida State really to get things rolling here. I'm going to go a little bit lower scoring, but I've got Florida State winning winning this one pretty handily. Let's say Keon Coleman, 150 yards on, on Saturday. And uh, Trey Benson has another 100-yard game. Jared Burris give me 1.5. Right, now, now you're getting too cocky after you went over last <laughs> week and got one thing right. This man's over here. He's too full. Putting a wish list together. Jordan <laughs> Travis, 700 yards. But <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for to State. Um, 37. Syracuse, 17. Wait, what was Florida State's? Actually. Florida State, 37, Syracuse, 13. Interesting. Oh, okay, so less than last week's score prediction, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll go next, so then VZ can go last year for us. But uh, I'm going to go Florida State. I'm kind of sticking with the same of of last week, but I'm going to go Florida State, uh, 44, Syracuse, 14. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of some Kaziah Holmes. And this one, I think we're going to get some more PT out of him. A uh, long overdue, in my opinion, but would like to see some Kaziah Holmes on. On sorry, not going to say his stat line, uh, but I would like to see twenty six out there for FSU. Um, and two, I'd like to see you know if, if Jay Trav needs to utilize his legs and man, watch out for those headshots. They're they're coming for you, and those slides. We got to work on those slides. We got to talk. He's got to talk with his brother, Devin, and figure out those baseball slides a little bit better, maybe more of, a, of an angle next time, not just kind of going like you're sitting in a chair because, man, you can get your head taken off. But, hey, it brings in some nice flags for you and gets you a first down and more. But, um, yeah, I, I think Florida State takes care of business. You got the 1993 alum in the house. It should be a fun time in Doak for a nooner, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be – I think it's going to be a fun game. Honestly, I think Florida State comes out ready to prove something. Uh, like you guys are saying, I think they have a lot of energy just with the 93 champs in the house. They're going to live up to some of the legends of Florida State's past. Just watching Syracuse these last two weeks, unless they show something that they just haven't shown on film, I just don't see a way their offense is that successful. Um, I'll take Florida State 44-9. to Just throw out a weird score out there. Whoa. Just playing around now, huh? Yeah, just you know, got, got, just gotta be a little bit different, you know. We we were we were too <laughs> uniform last week with forty-one to twenty, and it ended up being a weird score. So you know, just throw out some weird things every every so often. Yeah, you gotta toy around a little bit. We haven't had time to have some fun like this last couple yeah. of years, so you know, enjoy. It's nice to not stress so much. I mean, knock on wood, some crazy Miami fiasco happens in Tallahassee on Saturday, but please God, no. It's just. Very nice to be relaxing and just kind of play around with some scores. Huh? Not on Mike Norvell's birthday week. (laughs) No, 
that would probably not be the best idea. That would not be the best present for Mike at all. Second youngest ACC coach. I think 33rd in the country. 33rd. It was was less than that. It was like 20-something. I thought it was like 22. I don't know. And Kenny Dillingham's like number one, one, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't forget to take a knee, as Tom says on Facebook. Do not forget to take a knee. Hopefully, Tate Rodemaker or AJ Duffy. Brock Lynn? Who knows? Who someone knows say, who it could be? Someone's saying score got me alert. Has there really never been a 44 to 9 score? I feel like there has to have been. I don't know. It seems pretty unique, doesn't it? I don't know. Sure, surely. Yeah, because 44 is a weird score to get. Yeah, but I feel like it's been done. But then you got to get no. nine. That's you three field your... goals. At some point, how many field goals do you want to get before you start taking some fourth down shots? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If it's Speaking like 30. Down... Go ahead. We're... I'm done discussing this fake no, score. There has been a 44 to nine. I found it. Okay. Gotcha. Thanks for lying to us, College Football Central. <laughs> College Football Central in the comments. I'm gonna have to ask you to check your stats next time. <laughs> no, we've got to have a ch- we got to have a chat with you. Uh, before we hop off of here, though, uh, guys, VZ, just some quick little tidbits on some basketball visits that we have for Leonard yeah. Hamilton. Just real quick, last week you had top top forty really prospect for twenty twenty five coming to visit Alir Malouk out of Long Island. Uh, very similar player to Taylor Bull Bowen, who hosted him on the visit. I caught up with Maluk real quick this week. He said he really enjoyed the visit, and we'll see if anything goes from there. So far, it's his first visit and doesn't have anything set up otherwise for visits. Have to have to like where Florida State sits right now, but the big one this weekend, Carmelo Anthony and his son, Keon Anthony, will be on campus visiting Florida State. Obviously, it is against his dad's alum in Syracuse, but I'm told Keon's really high on Florida state and, you know, maybe they make a good impression before he visits the orange next week. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Carmelo Anthony partakes in some of these photo shoots, maybe see an NBA legend in some garnet and gold. I think that'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah, That would be, be cool. Dope. And hopefully they'll be on the sideline for the game in Doak or something. You, mm-hmm. So the way it usually goes, the, the way it was, at least when I was there for visits is they'd be on the field before the game get all the pictures taken, all that sort of stuff. And then as through the first quarter, they'll file up to the bleachers. Um, and then depending on when the game is, they can either stay for the whole game. With it being a noon game, there will probably be a practice around 3.30, 4 o'clock that they'll have to get back to. Okay. Either way, should be cool to see Carmelo Anthony on the sidelines of Doak. And he's six foot seven, so we'll definitely be looking for him. Absolutely. Get your binoculars. Uh, D. Lou can't. I will, I will get see. My binoculars. Get your binoculars. Uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, Carmelo Anthony. You know, I think he's great. My my roommate has his jersey. Everything. Big fan of him from being up there in in New York. But uh, you know, he 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 screwed me a lot of times in my <laughs> betting. So uh, he's like he's like on one of those lists of my top five that I'll never ever ever ever. Well, I won't anymore, obviously. But bet on. Uh, but he screwed me quite a bit. And oh. One of my bets, me, me and my best friend, we were celebrating after the first half of the game, and then he screwed me in the second half. Like he got me the, he scored a three pointer 
before the buzzer at halftime, like, oh my God, we're, we're back. We're here. And then he ended up uh, scoring too many in the second half. And he All I'll say about Carmelo is I, I started the three to the dome celebration before he did it, but obviously there's no proof because he was in the NBA. So, okay. Gotcha. Just, just is what it is. That was back in your days at the yard, right? Back, yeah. Back in my day, middle school and high school basketball. <sighs> Man, should have trademarked it. Should have trademarked it. Sue him. Sue him. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Appreciate everybody hanging out here with us. Uh, as always, you listen to podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, before you bounce out of here, feel free to hit that like button. We would definitely appreciate it. Uh, much appreciated, too. Uh, a lot of new visitors, viewers, commenters in here, subscribers. So uh, really appreciate you guys hanging out with us this season. We will be here for an instant reaction around 5 o'clock, somewhere around there, hopefully just a little bit after uh, the FSU game, hopefully like 4.30. 5 o'clock? So. Okay, we'll over at 3. How is that an instant reaction? Like Maybe maybe like a 3.45, 4 o'clock. Maybe. I would be we I would live till 4.15. We didn't go live till 4.15. That time. was your fault. I was ready. No. Nah, it was a 3.30 game. Huh? How'd you go live at 4.15 for a 3.30 game? <laughs> we were here for mid-game. We were giving our remarks. <laughs> now with you not here, you no, being he here, said, D-Lou. He's talking about we're, the last time we had a noon game, which was Boston College, right? No, it was Clemson overtime. I think I think he's trying to bring up the Boston College game. I don't know what it is. I don't really know either. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out later. But we'll be here pretty close to after uh, the game ending. So we'll give our thoughts, me and VZ, on Florida State versus Syracuse at noon in Doak Campbell Stadium. Hope everybody has a fun time. Another sellout, though. Another sellout. So should be a rowdy Dope Campbell which, Stadium. Which, by the way, someone said that it's going to be one of the quietest games of the afternoon because it's a noon game. I need Knowles fans to make some noise. Yeah, it was yeah. I don't want to grade it because I'm not there, but you know, Dustin, get them get them going, man. You know, get get Dope going. Just seem I'll bang bleakish. on the glass. I'll, I'll do my best. Get them riled yeah. up. Throw out some Chick Fil A to them. They'll get going. Yeah, it is kind of Where's the Chick-fil-A the coming from? He'll find some. <laughs> he will. He will. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard for the student section to get going, man. You know, they're hungover from after Friday night. You're going into a game. Been there before. Uh, it's not the most fun, but you got to get there. You got you to gotta bounce back. You got to bounce back in these situations. So uh, I need to see the student section. I think minor Bell too. shout out the crowd said he needs it. He needs to have the crowd going here on, on Saturday. So maybe a little shout out to uh, the Seminole fan base to get a grip. And I also saw too, that it wasn't so easy to get into the stadium and a lot of things were screwed up. I saw a lot of complaining from the FSU fan base on social media that it was not so easy to drive to the stadium, get into the stadium. So, you know, you know, we're, we're calling out to the event staff and the police no more, department. And no more and, punting stats. They don't need that on the scoreboards. Yeah, I saw they're not putting up the right stats on the video board. We got to get we got to get a grip. What are we doing here? We got to get a grip. It's got to get a program. Grip. It's the number 4 program in the country. Wake up. Wake up. We'll talk to you guys after the game on Saturday.
Yeah, we're almost 17.